All right, I want to encourage you over this five-week series, make sure you take some notes. We're going to journey through the scripture together. And really what we're doing is we're, we're going uh, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to do that in five Sundays, which means that every Sunday I'm going to preach for three hours a Sunday. Come on, somebody. So hope you brought some lunch or some, uh, some Cheez-Its. Come on now. Uh, no, but... More, more realistically here, we're not going to be looking at the Bible uh, through a microscopic lens. We'll be looking at the Bible more through a telescopic lens. So we're going to take the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and we're going to look at five different big stories, and we're going to make them short. So today we'll start with, with creation, and then we'll, we'll move from there. Next Sunday we'll talk about the fall of humanity through sin. We'll talk about on Easter Sunday, Jesus and the resurrection. We'll come back the following Sunday. We'll talk about the church and God's love for the church. And then we'll conclude, long story short, with talking about the second coming of Jesus, the inevitable return of Christ. So we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to take a long story, and we're going to make it short. Now let me set up today's conversation with a couple thoughts around Scripture, okay? I think a lot of people view the Bible as a rule book, a book of do's and don'ts, a book of rights and wrongs. And while, of course, they're are certainly commands in there by God for us. There's instruction in there on how we should live our lives, whether that be, you know, morally, ethically with Christian values, and, and that's important for those that are Christians. But the Bible isn't a rule book. It's a storybook. And really the storybook is the story of God. And, and more, more defined here, it's the story of God's love for, for us. We find the whole Bible, the gospel, summarized in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting eternal life. And that really is what the Bible is. It's a story of God, and it's the story of his love for us. And the Bible is a compendium of 66 books. It was written by 40 different authors from Genesis to Revelation. I've taught this before, but it's worth conversation again. These individuals that wrote the Bible, they were, they were farmers, they were fishermen, they were prophets, they were priests, they were kings. And these 40 authors wrote the Bible on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. They wrote from places like caves and prisons and palaces and deserts. They wrote the Bible in three different original languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And then they wrote the Bible over a span of 15 centuries. Isn't that amazing? The Bible is full of history, which is historically verified. The Bible is full of science, which is scientifically certified. And these individuals, they wrote on every single hot topic that you and I are talking about in 2022. They wrote about law. They wrote about prophecy. They wrote about morality. They wrote about every big topic that you can think of, from the sanctity of life to the sanctity of marriage to, to even kingdom politics. And then this one long story ends with an apocalyptic ending. It's the greatest book of all time. But it's more than just a powerful book. It's more than just a big book. It is a supernatural book. How can 66 books with 40 different authors over three continents and three languages over a span of 15 centuries, how can all of it read like one continuous story? Here's how. Because it was written by one author, by God. And the same God, the same spirit who inspired those writers to write is the same spirit that inspires us, the readers, 
as we read. And I double-dog dare you. Come on, somebody. Let's go back to middle school. I double-dog dare you to read the Bible. And here's what I've experienced in my own life, and here's what I've told you before, is that when you read the Bible, you think that you're reading the Bible, but really the Bible is reading you. Can I get an amen from somebody? I mean, the Bible is a right now word. It's a right now word. So today, let's talk about creation a little bit. Let's start in the beginning. And for all of us, whether we're familiar with the church or we're new to the church, we can all find the book of Genesis chapter 1. Come on now. It's the very first book in the very first chapter. If you've got your smartphone, you can go to the YouVersion app or the Go Church mobile app and access the Bible. If you've got a hard copy of your Bible, a physical copy of your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. We're going to look at five verses today and we're going to talk about this long story short and we're starting with creation. And here's what the Bible says at the very onset. In the beginning, God created. He created the heavens and the earth. I won't exegete all five verses here, but I want to pause right there to tell you that as the pastor of Go Church, our doctrinal beliefs, our declaration of faith begins with this reality that we believe that God is the creator of all things. We don't believe in Darwin's theory of evolution. We don't believe in the Big Bang. We believe that God spoke and then there was. Can I get an amen? That's important for you to know. That we believe that God created all things. And in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. And the earth, on the, the onset of creation, it was formless. It was empty. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and he separated light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And listen, we're going to talk about creation today, but we're only going to talk about the first day. I'm sorry. Time, unless you want to stay here all day, we're only going to have time to talk about the first day. Now, I love day three, and I love day six, and I really appreciate day seven. But the next 30 minutes, we're going to talk about day one. Is that all right? Let's talk about the first day. Now, I hear people say this often, probably more often than I would or you would think. But I hear people say, I don't believe in miracles, or I've never seen a miracle. I want to argue that point here for just a moment, okay? I beg to differ on you thinking that you've never experienced a miracle. Right now, in this room, whatever campus or wherever your location is, watch this. You have no sense of motion. You and I, we live on planet Earth. This Earth, right now, as I'm speaking to you, is rotating on its axis at 1,000 miles per hour. It will take 24 hours for planet Earth to make one complete rotation. If that doesn't wow you, how about this? This globe, this earth that you and I are a part of that we're living on is also flying through space at 67,000 miles per hour. And here's the miracle. You won't even get dizzy. Anybody ever, ever had a day where you feel like you weren't very productive, a little lazy, like it was just one of those days? Come on, show me your hand. Come on, some of you. Even on your most lazy day, your most least productive day, you always can hang your hat on the fact that on that day, you flew 1.6 million miles in space. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Won't even get dizzy. And then think about this. This is rhetorical. But when is the last time that you thank God 
for keeping us in orbit. Albert Einstein says this. He says, there's really only two ways to live your life. One way to live your life is to live as though nothing is a miracle. He goes on and he says, another way to live your life is as though everything, come on church, everything is a miracle. Now watch this. You and I, we already trust God for the big miracles in our life. For example, keeping us in orbit. Why then can't we trust God for the little miracles in our life, i.e. everything else? If I were to talk about the creation, I would summarize it with two very simple yet profound truths about God. Just two truths about God. And this is something that you're going to be able to remember for the rest, for the rest of your life here. Uh, these are, by the way, these are absolute truths. Because everything about God is absolute. Can I get an amen? Okay, watch this. The first one is this. The first truth about God is this. God is bigger than big. Come on. I said God is bigger than big. The theological word here is the word transcendence. Transcendence. Transcendence means beyond ordinary. It means beyond human understanding. It means beyond human experience. Transcendence means moving from finite to infinite. God is bigger than big. As a matter of fact, when God said these four words, watch this. God says these four words, let there be light. The way that God says those four words are different than when you and I say those four words. A little crowd participation here on the count of three. Everybody shout these four words. Ready? One, two, three. Let there Let's do it again with a little more authority. Ready? One, two, three. Let Now when you and I say let there be light, that is phonics. It's just phonics. We use words to communicate. When God says, let there be light, that is physics. We use words to communicate. God uses words to create. So when God said these four words, let there be light, which are some of the first words that we ever hear God say, he is saying that light is the basis of everything. So what we hear is, let there be light. But when God says, let there be light, what he's saying is, let there be electromagnetic radiation with varying wavelengths traveling at a speed of 186,281.7 miles per second. Let there be ultraviolet and infrared. Let there be gamma rays, x-rays, radio waves. And thank God for the microwave. Come on, somebody. Let there be photosynthesis, color, health. And life, let there be light. And in the beginning, God created and he said, let there be light. And when those words were spoken, in that moment, the light turned on. And God created the heavens and the earth. And now if you took a, a telescope and you zoomed into planet earth, eventually you would find exactly where you are. Some of you live in the state of Georgia. Come on, somebody, if you live in Georgia, that's us. Some of you live in the state of Maryland. Come on, Maryland, make some noise. A lot of people live in the state of confusion. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but you would be able to zoom in and find exactly where you live. And the earth is a big planet, a big planet. Almost 8 billion people occupy planet earth. 71% of earth is covered in a body of water. 
25,000 miles in circumference. If you wanted to walk around the earth, you could do so in one year if you walked at a pace of 2.84 miles per hour without ever stopping. It's a big world. But when you look at earth compared to the other planets, you see that it is large. Larger than Mercury, larger than Venus, larger than Mars, and larger than Pluto, which is now considered a dwarf planet. It's a big world. But if you keep zooming out, you see that earth actually becomes somewhat small. Smaller than Neptune, smaller than Uranus, smaller than Saturn, smaller than Jupiter. Jupiter is 1,321 times the size of Earth in terms of volume. Let me break it down to you like this. You need 1,300 Earths to make one Jupiter. God is bigger than big. You keep zooming out, though, and then you see that actually Jupiter is quite small compared to the sun. The sun is a yellow dwarf star. And it is ten times larger than Jupiter. Everybody good for a little astronomy? Come on, a little science class today. Come on, somebody. God is bigger than big. But if you keep zooming out, you get to the, the orange giant called Arcturus, which is ten times larger than the sun and produces 180 times the energy. So, so at this point, Earth is invisible at this scale. And Jupiter, that big Jupiter, is about two pixels in size. God is bigger than big. But if you keep zooming out, then you get to the red supergiant, Antares. Antares. 10,000 times brighter than the sun. God is bigger than big. And if you look on the screen, you see that little bitty sun that heats up the day and gives us sunburns on vacation at the beach. Come on, somebody. And I was just thinking, how big is God? And then I was reminded of this verse in Isaiah. Watch. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, says God, higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I love you enough to say this to you. How dare you? How dare I challenge God and his plan and his ability to lead and discern and direct? Why is it that we would say amen to God is bigger than big and yet we still want to maintain control of every facet of our life? God is a good God. The old school church said it like this, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. His ways aren't like our ways, and his thoughts aren't like our thoughts. And can I let you in on a little secret? That's a good thing. Because every time we try to get our own way, we always mess it up. But whenever we let God be God, let a big God be a big God, he always works things together for our good. Can I get an amen from somebody that's been there before? You've experienced that before? There's an old kid's song in church. It goes like this. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Will you help me preach today? My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. 
There's nothing my God cannot do. He made the seas and he made the trees and he made them their elephants too. Come on. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. Say it with me. There's nothing my God cannot do. I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know your full story, but I know this. You serve a big God with a big love, and there is nothing your God cannot do. Come on, take five seconds here and applaud the Lord. Come on. But not only is God bigger than big, but he is closer than close. It's kind of hard for us to grasp this big God, this all-powerful, omnipotent being that seems so far away, yet God in his transcendence also introduces us to his eminence. That's the theological word here. Eminence simply means this, nearness, closeness, proximity. The Bible talks about that, that this same God, the big God that, that tells the sun when to shine and the moon when to glow and the seas when to roar and he coursed every valley and he raised every mountain. Come on. That this same God promises to never leave you nor forsake you. Your Bible talks about the imminence of God by declaring that he is just as close as the very mention of his name. That he is a brother, a friend that sticks closer than a brother rather. He is imminence. Watch this. And I, I don't want you to miss this because we went through those first couple of verses really quick. But go back to the beginning. Watch. And I'll, I'll introduce you to the closeness of God. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. But guess who was there? The Holy Spirit. In the very first few words of the Bible, God introduces us to our Trinitarian theology that we believe God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. And God says, look, I am a big God, but I am a close in your face, right by your side kind of God. Anybody ever, ever experienced the closeness of God? The Holy Spirit. Now, I lied to you a moment ago, and it was kind of intentional, but I said we'd only talk about day number one. But I can't omit verse number 26 in Genesis chapter 1. And this is actually day 6 of creation. Then God said what? Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And watch this. Here we are introduced to the Trinity. God says, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that he will make man in our image. And I had this thought. The Holy Spirit today, right now on April the 3rd of 2022 or whenever you watch the replay of this message. The Holy Spirit, this close God, is hovering over the darkness of your life the same way that the Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness of the world at creation. And while I don't know your full story, I've come to encourage somebody on this Sunday, here at Go Church, that you serve a big God, but you serve a close God. God. And this close God gives you the comfort and the counsel and the relationship, the intimate friendship as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus of the Holy Spirit to tell you, I know you got stuff going on in your family. 
I know you got some drama going on in your house. I know there's some stuff in your marriage. I know there's some physical things that are happening. I know that you're overwhelmed financially, but there is a Holy Spirit that will wrap his arms around you and promises to never walk out on you and never turn his back on you. If that doesn't wow you, I don't know what will. That while this Jesus was on the cross at Calvary, he had you on the forefront of his mind. He is a close God. Now my words are phonics and God's words are physics, but I declare through all the authority and the anointing that's on my life, I speak over every dark situation that you're walking through, and I say, let there be light. Let there be light in your marriage. Let there be light in your body. Let there be light in your family. Let there be light in your money. Whatever dark season you're walking through, let there be light. The psalmist wrote it like this in Psalm chapter 36. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty is astronomic. Jesus, his purpose is titanic his verdicts oceanic yet in his largeness nothing gets lost not a man not a mouse nothing slips through the cracks can I tell you God has seen every tear you've ever cried God has heard every prayer you've ever prayed God has felt every pain that you have ever experienced, yet he is a close God. A.W. Tozer, the great American pastor and theologian and author, he said this phrase. And when I was researching for this week, I came across this thanks to Mark Batterson, who pastors a church in, in, uh, in the Washington, D.C. area. Helped so much with the content here. He says, God is above. A.W. Tozer, God is above, but he's not pushed up. He's beneath, but he's not pressed down. He's outside, but he's not excluded. He's inside, but he's not confined. God is above all things presiding, beneath all things sustaining, outside of all things embracing, and inside all things filling. God is a close God. He's bigger than big, and he's closer than close. You know, I tell a lot of stories whenever I communicate. Uh, stories are a great way to draw people in. And I've told you a lot of stories, a lot of personal stories about my life, my upbringing, my family, our marriage. It's not easy being, you know, a, a first lady to the pastor or pastor's kids because everything they do becomes sermon material. Come on now. And I've told you a lot of stories. And I'm sure at some point I've told you this particular story. But I want to tell you about a time when I've felt God so close to me. So close to me. Most of you would never know this about me because thankfully when I preach, I have a shirt on. Can you say amen to that? But right here, is a three-inch scar. about the size of a credit card. For a long time, I was really embarrassed of the scar. Over time, the scar is, of course, somewhat blended in, but 
You know, if you ever saw me at, you know, at the pool swimming or at the beach or at Walmart with no shirt on, come on. <laughs> You'd see this three-inch scar. The first year of our marriage, I got really sick. No, nobody really knew what was going on. We didn't know what was going on, but it was scary. And listen, I'm not going to try to over-exaggerate the story. The story is what it is. No exaggeration needed. I was dying. My skin had turned jaundice, and I had lost quite a bit of weight. We were in North Carolina at a youth camp when I fell over, rushed me to some hospital, random hospital in North Carolina, and within a matter of minutes, Kimberly's signing paperwork on an immediate blood transfusion. And they're putting pints of blood into my body, and then a few days later sending me home and saying, you got to follow up with additional tests and primary care and all of that. A few weeks and months pass, and I'm drinking a bottle of Pepto-Bismol every day. Every day. We made a trip to Florida to visit my family. My half-brother, Terry, had been in a really bad car accident. and I told you a couple weeks ago, he's paralyzed from the waist down. And while we were there on that trip, I'm in the back seat of my sister's SUV, sister, mom in the front, me and Kimberly in the back. And I double over in pain. At the time, my mom was working as the administrative assistant for the chief of staff surgeon at Tampa General Hospital. I don't necessarily believe in coincidence. So my mom called the chief of staff and she said, look, we're on our way to the emergency room. He met us there and I'll never forget the words that he said. I don't know what's wrong, but JC, you're not leaving this hospital till we find out. And within a matter of hours, through a series of tests that I prayed to the good Lord, I never have to go through again and that none of you ever have to go through again, they found in my intestines a gastrointestinal stroma tumor, a GIST tumor. I'll save the details because you don't need to, you don't care to know. But it's very rare, very uncommon. And because Tampa General Hospital is a teaching hospital, the University of South Florida and those medical residents came over. They filmed the entire operation because it was so rare to find. I knew I'd always make it on TV. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they took out 18 inches of my intestines. The tumor was trying to die, or the, the intestines rather, was trying to digest that tumor. And so what happened was, is if you imagine taking a, a long tube sock, reaching in and pulling it inside out, that's what was happening. And there we are, first year being married. We've already gone through a series of things, and I'm laying in the hospital. And I remember in that moment, feeling the presence of God Feeling the closeness of God. Again, I don't want to over-exaggerate this. 
I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I mean, it, but I did know one thing, that God was with me. God was with me. They did the surgery. I, I laid in a room for a couple of days. Don't remember exactly how long I was in there, but one more part of this story, and then I'll give you a final verse, and I'll pray for you. A few days into my recovery, they, they rolled a young man into that hospital room, a shared space. His name was DJ. Young African-American guy that had got, up in, got caught up in some gang activity, and he was shot right in the chest. They did surgery on DJ, and then he and I ended up in a shared room. So I'm like, man, DJ, what are you in here for? He's like, I was in a gang, got shot in the chest. He's like, what are you in here for? I was like, got a knife wound right here, <laughs> abdomen. I'm a bad dude. <laughs> and I'm like, well, my intestines don't work, so. The Holy Spirit began to move in that room and in those conversations, and I remember God allowing me to lead DJ to the Lord. And that closeness that I felt now, DJ got to feel. I could stand up here for the next two years and tell you story after story of how close God has been to us in some of the darkest moments of our life. That's why I started, somewhat started this message with the introductory idea of you can view as life as there are no miracles or that everything is, is a miracle. The psalmist David said this, and I love this. Watch. Where can I go from your spirit? I don't know who this is for, and I didn't necessarily write this in my notes or run through it in, you know, my way of rehearsing the message, but you can run, but, but you can't hide from God. He sees all, and he knows all, and the psalmist says, where, where can I go from your spirit, and where can I flee from your presence? Go back to some of the imagery that I showed you a moment ago, the pictures. He says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. But if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, or if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will continue to guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Even if I say, surely the... The darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Watch this verse 12. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. I speak that over you today. That even in the darkness of what you're walking through, God is a big God. He's bigger than big and he's closer than close. And even the darkness to you, that is not darkness to God. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Here's all I know to say to encourage you and then I'll pray for you. I've got my own story and you've got your story too. Of times where we have felt overwhelmed and anxious and defeated. And maybe even, here's a word forgotten God do you know that I'm here God do you even care do you see my pain do you see my, my burden do you see my heart 
Do you see my tears? Do you hear my cry? And I, I don't know how deep of a situation you're in today, but I can tell you this, that the joy of the Lord can be your strength. And even though today may seem incredibly dark, light shines in the darkness. Because you serve a big God and a close God. I think I'm changing the way that I ask this question from how do people make it without God in their life to why would people want to try to make it without God in their life? Thank God for history. I thank God for science. But none of that compares to a close relationship with the creator of all things. And from his fingertips, fire flew. And he created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. And yet he says to me and you today on the south side of Atlanta or the north side of D.C. or wherever you're watching from, trust in me. Depend on me. And I'll be with you every single step of the way. You'll leave here in about three minutes. And I'm not going to get to go with you unless you're paying for lunch. When you leave here, the Holy Spirit goes with you. And in those dark situations, in those dark seasons, in those dark moments, you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If this encouraged anybody today, come on, can you put your hands together? Thank you, Jesus. Two questions. What the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today? Come on. And then what is the next step that you need to take in your faith journey? I, unless the Lord tells me differently, and, and He may, but I'll close out every message I preach this year with these two questions. What, what did the Holy Spirit speak to you today? And then what next step do you need to take on this journey of faith? Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me give you 20 seconds here to process this, to think through this. Here's what I want to do while you're praying and thinking. I'm going to transition online. All right? God bless all of you, Transition Germantown. Your campus pastor will take it from here and lead you in this moment of prayer and, and, and closing. Now, what did the Lord speak to your heart today? I messaged the guys and asked them to sing this worship song from a few years ago. I want them to sing this over us today and let you process this, and then we'll pray as a part of our dismissal. But let's just worship for a moment before you leave and before you transition. Let the God of wonders speak to your heart. God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. Oh 